Welcome to Leadership Web, a podcast series from the University of Arkansas that exposes listeners to a wide range of perspectives on leadership. Through interviews with current leaders, Leadership Web strives to provide tools for you to either begin building your own or continue improving your existing leadership framework. We believe that there is no one single path to successful leadership, but that we can all learn from each other on our own leadership journeys. Today, Dr. John White is joined by Tony Vincenquera, CEO for Sony Pictures Entertainment. His top six values are highest standards, always focus on consumer, top talent, transparency, openness, and inclusiveness, collaboration and integration, and think big. I'm John White, and it's my pleasure today to have a, a good friend, Tony Benchikara, who he and I served together on the Motorola Board of Directors for a number of years. And I was privileged to be around some very special people during my 20 years with Motorola, but uh, Tony is right up there among those that I look back and I think how fortunate I was to be around him. He exhibits the things we're trying to capture in this podcast about values-based leadership and He's now the CEO for Sony. Tell me the official name of Sony it. Sony Pictures Entertainment. So the number of competitors you have must be increasing daily. It is. It, it used to be we had a handful, and now everybody's a competitor. Yeah. You've got uh, Netflix and Amazon and all of these others coming on yes. the scene. Hulu, Disney, yeah. Warner Brothers, uh, Universal, all are going to begin streaming services, so wow. everybody's a competitor now, for sure. That is amazing. But we've carved out an interesting interesting strategy, and hopefully yeah. it will work, in that we want to be right down the middle and not compete with them, but be their supplier, so they can compete with all the other people that they're ah. going after. So this, But this is one of those situations in which you not only wind up, in some sense, competing, but also partnering with and yes. working Frenemies, a lot of frenemies. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Now, that's a term I had not heard before. Yeah, so yeah. That, that's one of, I'm sure, is going to become very common in our vocabulary because it's just, just the whole world of business has changed dramatically. Uh, when you and I first met, uh, you were with Fox. Yes. And, uh, and now you're with Sony. But I want to go back even beyond that. Uh, let's go back to where you grew up. Uh, they're in Albany, New York. Yeah. And uh, tell me about that. You had siblings. I do. Three sisters. Three sisters. Yes. One, one older, two younger. Wow. Yeah. What did your parents do? My father is a very interesting uh, case. He was uh, terrific at everything he ever did. I mean, yeah. he would pick up a bowling ball and roll 200. He would, you know, he was my baseball coach and would hit home, hit, hit the ball over the fence. He was... A mechanic. He was an electrician. He yeah. was, did everything, yeah. all without high school education. Wow. You know, his uh, his mother and father both came from Italy. His father died before he was born. He had four brothers and sisters, and he was the youngest, obviously, and his father died before he was born, so he never had a father. And wow. he grew up with a mother who didn't speak English and four brothers and sisters, and... Uh, he was recruited to be a professional baseball player with the Philadelphia Athletics uh, minor league team, 
played one year when he was 17 and then was drafted to go in the Army. And when he came back, his mother wouldn't let him play baseball anymore. He made him go to work without a high school degree. Wow. So he started as a laborer and yeah. turned himself over time into an engineer inspecting nuclear power plants for, oh my for the government. So yeah. he, he inspected uh, power plants that went into submarines in Groton and also through General Electric, who was making yeah. these power plants. So he, he and then died when he was 50. So, oh my goodness. Be, and we think he, he died when he was 50 because he worked in a place called Camp Century. You I don't yeah. know if you ever heard of it. It was an installation for the Defense Department in Greenland under the ice. They built the city under the ice cap. Powered by an early nuclear plant. Oh wow! And everyone that was there died of some kind of cancer. What about your mom? My mom was a, uh, a dancer, performer, graduated from high school in Albany. Met my father, got married, had kids. She she did a lot of different things. She was a secretary. She didn't have a college yeah. background, but did a lot of different things to support. Um, did your sisters go to college? My oldest sister went to nursing school. My next youngest sister joined the Air Force yeah. and went to a community college afterwards. And, and then my youngest sister, who has eight kids, she, uh, she and I own a uh, pottery store in Albany together. Okay. And she runs that with her. Oh, wow. Since she has eight kids, she has a lot of free labor. <laughs> yes, I guess she does, doesn't <laughs> yeah. she? Yeah. Yes. So the but Italian the, roots yeah. continue. You know, growing up, we lived in a 1,000-square-foot apartment with two bedrooms and one bathroom, no shower, Oh, <laughs> with my. all six of us for, you know, up until I was seven or eight. Yeah. And then moved to a three-bedroom apartment that was probably 1,200 square feet with one bedroom or one bathroom. And uh, so the the place we grew up in as we were young, next door was a bar on one side. Across the street was a slaughterhouse where they brought the pigs in the morning. Yeah. And you heard them squealing. And then at night, you smelled them. Oh, It my. was a, a unique, uh, unique experience. Well, you are... You were living the American dream. Well, it's just been very lucky, very fortunate. Well, I think that uh, some people have defined luck as when preparation and opportunity come together. Yeah, I guess. But seeing opportunity is the most important part, I think, Yeah, obviously. And that's one of the things uh, that people say about you Mm -hmm. is you are a strategic thinker. Mm -hmm. You tend to think big and you think long range and Mm -hmm. you... You're a contemplative person. You spend a lot of time, I think, thinking about things. I do. Growing up in that situation, mm-hmm. which is not unlike that, interestingly, of a number of our guest leaders and uh, mm-hmm. circumstances in which they grew up, uh, a lot of your values have to have been shaped by those early years around your parents. And both good and bad. I, yeah. Both good and bad, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My wife would say some of them are bad, actually. <laughs> But I was really struck when uh, I asked you to share with me the, your values, and, and you shared with me, actually, the Sony Pictures Entertainment Principles and Values. And as I looked at those, I thought, how interesting that they are almost identical to what I would have written down as your values. Wow. Because well, they are my values. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. they are. Yeah. But you know, like your first one there is highest standards. Yep. And that, to me, speaks to integrity and ethics. Mm-hmm. And we serve together. Doing, doing, trying to do the right thing yeah. when you can't always do 
Yeah. What you want to do, but you try to do the right thing as yeah. much as possible. But you and I served on the audit committee there yes. for Motorola, and I got to we had lots to of issues. observe you. Oh, you're, yes. you're not kidding. Yeah. And which, whether you live your values or not, comes into play in those kinds of issues. You, you left out one thing. You were the chairman of the audit committee well, through all those difficult issues. Yeah. yeah. But it, it was... Well, and the same thing, what you'll be meeting later today with Doug McMillan, and mm-hmm. when you've got over two million associates around the world, two million imperfect people, mm-hmm. the challenges of having an organization to always live with the highest standards mm-hmm. is quite a challenge. Very much so. How do you go about trying to put meat on that bone, so to speak, at Sony, where that's your number one principle and value. The, the way these principles are listed, um, the highest standards is obviously number one, but the rest are interchangeable. The, yeah. the second most important one is always focus on the consumer. Yes. And if you don't focus on the consumer of your product, then you have to know who the consumer of your product is, yeah. obviously, and it's difficult to know that sometimes. But in terms of implementing the highest standards, when I went to Sony, it was a company that was not doing terribly well. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's pretty much what I've done for yeah. the last three positions I had. When I went, I was at CBS many years ago. We had a company that was needed fixing. I went to uh, Hearst Corporation, and that didn't really need fixing, but we did. We grew it. And then I was at uh, Fox, which was a business that was not doing well either. Mm-hmm. And the organization that I inherited needed uh, to be mm-hmm. restructured and combined and put together. Yeah. I think, you know, I took six years off in between yes. mm-hmm. and I worked at a private equity company, TPG mm-hmm. Capital. And uh, I really wasn't looking to go back to work. But when mm-hmm. the Sony opportunity arose, I looked at it and saw, you know, a lot of low hanging fruit yeah. and a company that really needed to be re-energized and to start moving in the right direction. And mm-hmm. that leads into the highest standards that were not applying the highest standards, people mm-hmm. were applying the standards that benefited them as opposed to the company. Yeah. And when you do that, you have people going every every which way in every direction. So th- this will sound uh, anti-highest standards, but the first thing I did after the normal process of interviewing people and understanding what the business was about, understanding what the issues were, what, what the opportunities within the business are, you know, we uh, parted ways with nine presidents mm-hmm. who had built up cocoons around themselves sure. to do their jobs and were standing in the way of everything that needed to be done. Um, yeah. And that was viewed by uh, the constituents, the rest of the employees, the other 10,000 employees we have, mm-hmm. as a very good thing because it provided air and space and yeah. room for growth and all those things. So with that, we started to ask people to have a little bit of sense of urgency and to start moving faster and making mm-hmm. decisions faster getting the bureaucracy out of the way, all yeah. those things. Those were really the first steps. Yeah. And then we started talking about when you do things, do them the right way. Don't yeah. do them 90%. And interestingly enough, one of the things that was standing in the way of the company was uh, the financial area and in, and in a couple of other places, people would overanalyze everything, spend weeks doing analysis mm-hmm. of things that didn't need to be analyzed. You yeah. know, many times... As you know, the last 5% of the, of the work you do is always the most time-consuming and expensive. Exactly. Yeah. So, and we were doing 105% instead of 100%. So yeah. I was trying to walk, walk down the road and say, it's okay to get to 90% of this analysis because you'll never be exactly correct anyway. Yeah. You just need to have a general idea 
fairly specific, but general idea of where what your analysis should show. But at the same time, always have the highest standard. So you're really yeah. talking out of both sides of your mouth, and that was a tricky oh pattern to kind of go down. Well, and we're still is. not we're still not there yet on that yeah. part. We're still overanalyzing quite a bit, and that well, slows things down. Paralysis of analysis is not just uh, occurring within the media yeah. uh, industry. It's uh, occurs everywhere, mm-hmm. and especially. For us in engineering, we have to be very careful about that. Yes, um, yes. But it's also true in, in a number of areas within business. Now, you got your your degree, I believe, at uh, SUNY Albany yep. and in marketing. Yes. But even before that, you made your connection into the media world. You're working your way through college, I think, did well, you not? I, yeah, I worked all the way through college. Yeah. Um, uh, so I always worked, and when I was a junior uh, in college, I ran a political campaign mm. for the Albany County Comptroller. Really? And uh, we won that race, and at the end of it, the Albany County Executive offered me a job as his executive assistant. And at the same time, I was also president of the Albany JCs, which is an organization you may recall from yes. the past, uh, because no one else wanted the job, so they gave it to me yes. when I was a junior in college. Are you serious? Yeah. Well, you were a student. You yeah. were president of the JCs. That's, yeah. that's impressive. Nobody wanted to <laughs> trust me. It wasn't because of anything, because uh, I had no idea what I was doing, obviously. <laughs> but there was a guy on the board who worked at the local ABC television station mm-hmm. who seemed to go out to dinner a lot, seemed to go out to lunch a lot, didn't work too hard, seemed to have a nice life, and this yeah. looks interesting. Yeah. You know? yeah. So he introduced me to his boss. Mm-hmm who introduced me to the general manager of the radio station that was in the same building. Mm-hmm. This is all happening concentric, yeah. time, at a concentric time. So I had two job offers. I had a job offer to go to work with the county executive and a job offer to run, to, to be a salesperson for the radio station. Yeah. And they both offered $150 a week. <laughs> so I said to the radio guy, if you make it $175, I'll take the job. Yeah. And he did. So I took the job. And I started selling radio time, so I went to school at night for the rest of my term and sold radio time during the day. Wow. There's a corollary to this, though. The county executive, Jim Coyne, mm-hmm. I don't know how many years later, but five or six years later, went to jail for taking oh. bribes oh, on, no. <laughs> on building an arena in downtown Albany. Yeah. So that was a good choice. Yeah, talk, really talk about being lucky. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that, that is good. Yeah. Uh, another one of the, uh, the values, principles I noticed from uh, Sony uh, Pictures Entertainment is top talent, which yeah. made me think about the team, mm-hmm. that uh, the focus on the team. And when I think about you and your team, I can't help but think about the other Tony in your life. Yeah. And, and she spells hers with an I. Yeah. And she's got a career of her own, a business of her own. And I've wondered, with, with your three children, how the two of you were able to manage this business. Well... It's an interesting. That's an interesting point. Mm-hmm. She started her business 22 years ago yeah. uh, herself mm-hmm. and built it. And you know, for the first nine, ten years, built it nicely and grew nicely. Mm-hmm. Then, when we started having children, mm-hmm. our oldest is now 14. Okay, uh, going to high school next year. Yeah, she's defied gravity because she's been able to main, manage this business for maintenance. Wow. Kept it, and yeah. which you know is impossible. Yeah. yeah. And she's managed to do that. And, uh, you know, when our third child was born, who's now nine, mm-hmm. 
it became really clear that we couldn't do what yeah. you just described. Yeah. That's when I left Fox, when yeah. I decided to leave Fox and yeah. go to work at TPG Capital. Yeah. And, you know, I was advising and doing doing due diligence and doing deals for TPG Capital for, you know, as I said, for six years and enjoyed it. It was a lot yeah. of fun and I was working really part-time. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I had an office out of the house, but it was five minutes from the house and yeah. I could drop the kids at school and we both did that. She did, I did it. We did all the sporting events. Yeah. One of the other reasons I decided to take the Sony job was our nine-year-old, who at that time was mm-hmm. almost seven, yeah. and our twelve-year-old, who was you know two and a half years younger at the time, not quite ten. They were saying things that were starting to trouble me about you know because they never saw me work, yeah, because yeah. they never saw me get up in the morning and yeah. go and come home late at night, and they were saying things that were starting to be of a concern, yeah. like. Why do you have to work? You know, yeah. what, so that's another reason why sure. I decided to go back to work for a while. And uh, two weeks in, my son, like as I said, who's nine now, just turned nine last week, said, uh, uh, "Do you have to go to work every day, Dad?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So he got the yeah. message. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Well, it uh, the other thing it, to me about the team, and it goes back to your first comment about the changes you had to make. Mm-hmm there at uh, Sony with the number of presidents you had to replace gets back to Jim Collins good great we didn't really replace them we had, we had 27 presidents and uh, yeah. oh, <laughs> we, wow. we didn't replace them oh, all. that so, was part of so the, it was only nine of the 27 part of the issue was wow. we had too many and a number yeah. a number of others have left since and, yeah. and we had to restructure the business in a yeah. very aggressive way amazing um, yeah so he, he talks about the importance of getting the right people on the bus yeah and the right seats in the bus, That's and right. certainly the really important one is the right driver mm-hmm. in the bus. Mm-hmm. So as you are making these choices, what do you look for in the people that you were thinking about adding to your team, and what are the things that really are big flags for you and who you decide it's time for them to get off the bus? You know, I'll talk about our business just for a second. We have film production, television production, and uh, networks around the world. Mm -hmm. We have 110 networks around the world, Mm -hmm. broadcast networks. On the television side, we have 40-some products in the U.S., and on film, we distribute 25 films per year, roughly. Mm -hmm. Um, So we've got a lot going on. And you're you're crossing every border, and that's just in the the U.S. Internationally, we have, as I said, on on the network side, we have 110 networks, but we also have... 22 production companies around the world, and we have another 115 shows on the air in mm-hmm. local language around the world. So diversity is a very, very important mm-hmm. point, and and the, even more so today with all that's going on with the retail yeah. movements and all mm-hmm. the, the diversity uh, pushes that, that are happening, from handicapped people to minorities to everything. So that's a very important part of it, and we had no diversity mm-hmm. in, our, in our group when I started within the yeah. upper ranks. So that's... So that's been a screen that I use very aggressively. But then the kinds of people that we need to have within that are, and this will sound the opposite of what I just said, I try to find people that I can relate to that have Mm -hmm. kind of the same values that I have in terms of hard work, Mm -hmm. doing the research, getting down into the weeds, not being somebody that wants to have your name in the press every day, you know, smart, Mm -hmm. uh, don't have to be from Harvard or or Stanford or Yale, Mm -hmm. but that's not, they can be. Yeah. People who have worked their way up through the through the experiential levels and understand mm-hmm. the business that, that we're in and understand mm-hmm. how to deal with people 
and then the EQ of, of mm-hmm. the world is very important in, mm-hmm. in our business in any business. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have that, you probably don't have a place. Even if you're, even if you're smart and talented and aggressive, if you don't have the ability to work with people, you probably don't have a place. It's interesting. That the things that you just listed, Tony, mm-hmm. are the same kinds of things that Donnie Smith, who was the CEO at Tyson Foods, mm-hmm. that. Uh, in fact, Greg Brown from mm-hmm. Motorola, who you know well, and uh, and then Mike Duke mm-hmm. was at Walmart. That he has said that those are the things that you're you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also interesting that you use the diversity word mm-hmm. that has come up so frequently with all of these individuals about yep. the the power of yep. diversity. It's not just the, in fact, the, the legal aspects of it are hardly even thought of now, but rather the power of diversity, the fact mm-hmm. that you can provide a stronger product and quality by getting different types of people helping develop the solution. Right. That plays right into the, the third uh, principle and value that you have listed for Sony, and that's the transparency, openness, and inclusiveness. Which is really hard to do. And you're not yeah, kidding. Yeah. It really is. Uh, of those... Uh, transparency and openness, I think, are the tougher ones. Mm-hmm. Inclusiveness is more easily measured, I think, where transparency and openness are more in the the eyes of the receiver. Exactly. So how how do you yeah. play to you know, those? Part, you know, one one philosophy that I've always followed in every business I've run or or been involved with is. You can you be first. You're appointed to the job. Then you have to be elected. Yeah, yeah. And once you're to be elected means, to me means that you have to get a majority of the people singing the same song, mm-hmm. reading from the same page, whatever analogy yeah. you want to use. Yeah. But at least thinking along the same lines as you're thinking. Mm-hmm. If you do that, if you have a majority of people doing that, or a large portion of people doing that, the naysayers and the disruptors go underground. Because they now know that they're outnumbered. Yeah, and you know, once you get to that point of having enough people going in the same direction, you're gonna you just get out of the way. I mean, yeah. then, then if you if you've done the first couple of parts, you know, um, that we talked about top talent and and uh, high standards of people you hire, they'll just do the job for you. Mm-hmm. But the hardest part is getting getting that endorsement from the majority of your your constituents, yeah. your employees, and you realize that you'll never get everyone right that way. I do a thing we call coffee with uh, uh, every other month. Just make it open and people sign up for it, and thirty five mm-hmm. people come, and just it's an hour long question and answer period. Yeah, and it's remarkable. It's remarkable the things that people think are true from their perspective that you have an opportunity to try to correct and probably won't correct with many of them, but yeah. but you hear, you do hear what's, what the thought process is. If one person's asking that question, it means others are thinking it as well. And we, we've taken cues from that in developing the inclusion and uh, transparency yeah. part of the formula here. And yet one of the big challenges, at least it was for me, is that there are certain issues and certain things that you just simply can't have transparency right. and openness about. Especially if you're a public company yeah. oh, or a university. Yeah. Or, yeah. It's, uh, it's hard for students to understand that leaders have to also be deceptive. Mm-hmm. And by that, I don't mean it in uh, 
the negative way, but rather if you're having a bad day, you just can't show it. Yep. Because people are reading body language and everything yep. else yep. with you and drawing <laughs> conclusions that could be 180 degrees from Absolutely. what's reality. Absolutely. And so you <laughs> have right. you you know you have a an ability to demonstrate that everything's just going fine. <laughs> how did that? How did you develop that? Well, you know, it, it was conscious actually, mm-hmm. and what I decided to do a long time ago. One of my first jobs, I was the when I was about 24, I became general sales manager of a TV station in Albany, and I had no idea what I was doing. I should not have been in that job yeah. because it was way over, and I had people working for me that yeah. were in their 40s and 50s, and I I had no no idea what to do, how to do it, and I was on a, an emotional roller coaster, you know. And I remember one day, and my my office had a big window in it that looked out into the sales sales area. I literally wanted to pick my phone up and throw it through the window. It was, and I, I decided at that point I needed to figure something out here. Yeah. And instead of going to a psychiatrist, I tried to work my work yeah. it out myself. So, consciously, I decided to try to maintain my emotional scale within a narrow range. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't get too low. Don't get too high, and just mm-hmm. try to stay within that range. Mm-hmm. You can bounce around a little bit within that those yeah. high, high, upper, and lower. Yeah. Uh, gar- kind of guardrails, which yeah. is a term I use a lot actually, and that's really, and I practiced that for a, yeah. for a long. It took a long time to develop that, but you know, once I got to it, it you know, I'm pretty good at it now, and it's second nature. Yeah. So that's that's, that's that was it. an intentional thing because I realized that I was not prepared to do that job, and it was really affecting me. It's good that you were able to do it. It'd be nice if there were some others who were very prominent in the news were able to control yeah. theirs a little yeah, exactly. better. <laughs> yeah. I, I also I also created some rules that that if I write an email, it's, do yeah. I want to see this in a deposition? Yeah. And if I if I say something publicly, which I, do I want to hear this come back somewhere? Exactly. Um, and do I want to be questioned on a stand in front of a jury? <laughs> you know, in the, I went through the very same thing. Yeah. In fact, I tell the, the students in the class that leadership is lonely. Yeah that there were certain things I couldn't discuss with anyone, including my wife, right. because she didn't have attorney-client privilege. Yeah, that's right. And she could be deposed. And I wound up, I was in court three times, mm-hmm. uh, sued just during my time as chancellor of a university. So you have to be very careful. And, and Donnie Smith at, at Tyson uh, had, had a bad day, and he came walking in and went into his office, and 15 minutes later, executive vice president there and said, are we selling the company? Well, no, why would you think that? We walked by the receptionist this morning and didn't say good morning. (laughs) And so the word was all over the building. And so you you are a thespian, your own stage. Yeah, exactly. You really are. And certainly in the media business, you understand what that is. But you know, you're you're behind the scenes in the media business, but you're still on on stage. Yeah, yeah, for sure. When we walk around the lot, we have, like I said, we have five thousand people at Culver City that mm-hmm. see me every day, and you have yeah. to. Oh, it's not easy to do, and obviously make mistakes with that. Yeah. We had a few issues at Motorola where we couldn't talk to anybody you're about not them kidding. as well. Yeah. Oh, you're not kidding. Yeah. Many. We as really did. Yeah, those were, as they say, interesting times. Yes, for sure. Um, I'll tell you a funny story about yeah. about that. We have a gym on the lot, and mm-hmm. if I go to if I drive to work early six to six thirty mm-hmm. or so, it, there's no traffic, so yeah. I'll go to use the gym. A couple of days, I wore 
like uh, casual pants, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like like you'd use sure. lounging around the house. Yeah. And people talked about that. Yeah. They, yeah. I heard back from people saying, "Why does why is Tony wearing those kinds of pants to go to the gym?" <laughs> I'm like, does that mean something? You yeah. know, like that that really struck me, and yeah. I again reminded me of what yeah. you just said. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, you got to dress the part. Yeah, exactly, exactly. (laughs) And then we get to the next uh, item, which is collaboration and integration. And that certainly gets back to the team aspects that that, uh, leadership is a contact sport. Yes. And it's a, a team sport, too. It's not an individual thing. So how do you build when you're in your business? Because you've just talked about all of these that could easily be silos. Yeah, and they were very silos. And so and that's how do you why. then break down those boundaries and get them to come together? Well, you just do it. I mean, you just have to force it to happen. Yeah. You, you create up. You know, there's there's two levels of it within our company. One is within Sony Pictures Entertainment where we have all these different divisions. They're all siloed. Nobody ever talked to each mm-hmm. other. So we started creating. Uh, groups that took people from all the different areas and give them a, a issue to solve or a yeah. problem to approach or some or a business to develop, mm-hmm. and those are well underway, creating real opportunity for people and people are now talking a lot more and that that was one way we did it. A second way was to combine some responsibilities. For instance, we have a label, a movie label called TriStar. Yes. Which is kind of uh, author, you know, it's on books and specialty movies. Mm-hmm. We didn't have the same thing in the TV group, so the woman who was running that group, we made her responsible for both television and film. Ah. So that was another yeah. way of showing yeah. that this has to happen and, and causing it to happen. And then we have, a, we have a bunch of other ways that we're doing it, but it's just a, it's about creating opportunities to do that and yeah. forcing it to happen. Yeah. So that's one level. But the other level is Sony Corporate is kind of a holding company and mm-hmm. a conglomerate holding company, and we're all individual businesses. Sony, Sony Pictures Entertainment is what I described to you. Then there's Sony Music, and then there's uh, the PlayStation business, which yeah. is a very big business. Um, and there was no collaboration amongst those companies. If you put those three companies together as one, it's a, it's a major entertainment company. We're a little tiny company versus mm-hmm. Disney and Universal and and Warner Brothers. But if you put all of them together, it's a pretty big company with a lot of assets and a lot of leverage. But but we never took advantage of that. So yeah. so we've been trying to do that. But Japanese companies don't necessarily force people to do things they encourage mm-hmm. and that doesn't necessarily work in the US so you yeah. have to find other ways to do it yeah so what we're doing now is within the ranks of our companies the lower levels we've uh, we've been creating opportunities for the companies to work together mm-hmm. so as that happens we're hoping it will grow up into larger and better ways to do business you mentioned uh, the difference in Japanese companies and yep. American companies. Mm-hmm. And so this is your first time to be working. Yes. So what were the differences that you noticed right off? The culture is very different. You know, mm-hmm. Japanese culture, and look, I'm speaking as yes, a novice I here, so these are, my, these are my, uh, yeah. my uh, views of what's happening. Um, but the Japanese business culture is very consensual. Mm-hmm. American business culture is very top-down. Yeah. So if you ask a question of the CEO of Sony, he'll say, 
thank you for that, and then go and, I think, discuss with all the people around him yep. and get consensus as to what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. In the U.S., it's very, it yeah. happens very differently. So it's, it's a little slower, yeah. more, more uh, reflective, probably spend a lot more time and effort and analysis on yeah. what, what your issues are. In, in the U.S., in our business, we have to move fast. So we're finding ways to, to work together yeah. on, on that, and it's, it's coming along. It's coming along. Well, it's interesting to me that you have gone into very different kinds of businesses, uh, and no one could have said, "Oh, yes, you're the you know you're an expert in that field." So when you get into a situation like this, which, by the way, I thought was you you said you had no idea what you were doing mm-hmm. when you they're 24 years old, and, yeah. and I thought that that's the same feeling I had when I was made dean of engineering at Georgia yeah. Tech. Same feeling I had when I. Yeah was chancellor. I mean, the first day you're wondering, what do I do? Yeah, exactly. I'd been chasing the car and oh my goodness, I caught it. <laughs> you caught it, right? <laughs> Be careful what you ask for, uh, that sort of thing. But I just wondered, how do you sort of start out when you're very new in there? Do you do it by uh, going around and managing by walking around or do you do it by bringing people in and asking them questions? Or what was the style that you used when you would go in well, it developed over time, first mm-hmm. of all. It, and as I said, the first time I did it, when I had that job, I didn't know what to do and didn't yeah. have any idea how to do it. And I actually didn't really know how to manage people at all. Mm-hmm. One of the things I want to mention in all these yeah. things, experience really does count. Yes, it does. And you have to have experience. You have yeah. to ex- have experienced things in order to understand how um, things progress and when you throw the rock into the pond how it bounces because there are after effects always for what you do and you have to think those through Mm -hmm. so when I went to Fox it was a very different set of circumstances than it is at Sony it was at Sony Fox was a bunch of very highly educated young men who were very motivated very energized very anxious to get to the next level um, and they felt if they weren't promoted, they were all from Harvard and Stanford yeah. and mostly from Harvard, which, you know, there's a very, there's a big difference between graduates of Harvard Business School and Stanford Business School and Wharton Business School. Yeah. Massive difference. The one, the guys at Harvard all were so competitive and felt that if they weren't keeping up with the classmates, there was something wrong and they demanded to, Yeah. So, so we had all these guys that were going in every different direction at the same time, very smart, very, very aggressive. And we just needed to harness those people and hold them back a little bit and get them pulling in the right direction. And it worked great, and yeah. you know we had a huge success. At Sony, it was almost the exact opposite. We had, as I, as I mentioned, people kind of walking around without direction, mm-hmm. really not not a lot of sense of urgency. And we had to not only get them going in the right direction, but motivate I'm not sure which was harder or easier, but there was just very different approaches. You have to have a different approach depending on. Yeah, well, those industries would be one was sort of right brain focused, and the other was left brain focused. Yeah, I mean, they're yeah. going to be really very different. Yeah. At Fox, I pretty much knew, and I'd never run a broadcast network at yeah. that point, but I went in, I knew enough about it to know mm-hmm. the basics. So I really I interviewed people yeah. for a long time, like three or four months. And just sat with them and got their input, and then I would compare notes to see the same. And I asked the same question of people yep. so that I would have a kind of a benchmark. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I decided who I was going to trust, yes. you know, through those conversations. Sure. And that's how we developed the strategies going yep. forward. 
At Sony, I did the same thing, but it, it really didn't matter as much because there really hadn't been much of a strategy. Mm-hmm. And you know, now we just had to find a strategy. And you know, good fortune is that we had we had great assets that that had been um, not been developed as much as they should have. And the way the marketplace was developing was developing towards us. So it really, really wasn't that hard to develop the strategy because it was right there. Yeah. And once we started talking about it, people got it pretty, pretty easy because it's pretty simple. That leads us to the, the fifth one on your list, which you said is really sort of second to highest standards, mm-hmm. and that's about consumer, which to mm-hmm. me, when I, when I read that and thought about it, that gets to me to sort of servant leadership, namely that the reason that you're there is to serve someone, mm-hmm. in your case, the consumers. Yes. In our case at the university, it would be students. Mm-hmm. And to, to get the team to really understand that they're in the service business right. and uh, to recognize the challenges of serving is that you've got to listen carefully. You've got to get a lot of information back. And in your business, I suspect you must have a number of metrics that you could use to understand how well you are satisfying consumers. But the big thing you have to be is try to be there first, huh? You need to be anticipating what the next thing is going to be. Otherwise, you've got these new competitors that come up on the scene, and now you're always trying to play catch up. It's it's a little it's a little less complicated than that. Okay, that, good. You know, our our goal is to on the on the film production and television production side is to find great product. Yeah. And you do that by bringing terrific creators into the into the fold. Mm-hmm. And you also that's one piece. And then the other piece is you have IP that's within your libraries that you can develop and redevelop and mm-hmm. do sequels for. So on the TV side, we have a bench of really strong creators um, that that we have in holding deals that mm-hmm. just produce for us. They come up with ideas, and we go out and mm-hmm. try to sell them. That's really mm-hmm. what it is. And, and you know, the, it's really hard to know who our customer is because on the movie side, the theaters are who we really sell to, and then they sell to the consumer. But we do the advertising to bring them into the mm-hmm. theater. And then in the, on the TV side, we sell to you know broadcast networks, cable networks, and the streaming services. And then they market to the consumer to get them to watch those shows. So we try to anticipate what consumers want to watch, but we don't really have control over and We don't really know all the metrics that you might think we might mm-hmm. have. We just mm-hmm. don't know because the theater is actually who sells the ticket to yeah, the consumer. Yeah, I see. So and it's a distance. It's yeah. separated. Yeah. Um, so that's a big challenge and one that we're trying to figure out ways to overcome yeah. now. So, so then the way that Walmart would judge you is how well your products are selling through their stores. Yes. And so you're not just having to focus about satisfying Walmart. You've got to satisfy the people <coughs> Walmart's got to satisfy. Right, exactly. Wow. Okay. And, and for instance, our, we sell DVDs mm-hmm. through Walmart. DVD mm-hmm. business is one that's eroding pretty mm-hmm. rapidly because mm-hmm. it's going electronic. Yeah. That's what I'm seeing Doug about yeah. today. Uh, we sell a lot of DVDs still through Walmart. Mm-hmm. Walmart sells, I think, 40% of the DVDs in the United States. Wow. Wow. So a big part of yeah. big part of our uh, of our business. But you know, he has a different challenge. He's got Amazon yes. as a competitor, so as yeah. do we kind of. Yeah. But we also produce programming for Amazon. Yeah. 
that's the most important thing and the hardest thing to figure out. You know, we had a, we had an offsite with uh, about seventy five of our senior managers a year ago, and uh, I don't, do you know John Lynch was the governor of New Hampshire? For, no, mm-hmm. he uh, he also was a Harvard Business School professor and mm-hmm. a very good friend. I had him come and lead the discussion. Mm-hmm. The first question he asked was, "Raise your hand if McDonald's is your favorite restaurant." Now these are all fairly high yeah, paid. Sure, not many people raise yeah. their hand. Yeah, and said, so "Why is not McDonald's your favorite? Why don't you go to McDonald's?" Well, food's terrible, it's unhealthy, it's this, all these other things. Mm-hmm. He says, do you know how many people go to McDonald's every day? Yeah. <laughs> you have to know your customer. Yeah. McDonald's has, I can't remember the exact number, but it was an enormous number of people that walk through those stores every yeah. day because yeah. they like the product. Yeah. And our people didn't believe that. Yeah. You know, when I was running a TV station in Philadelphia years ago, our news department I felt was completely out of touch with what was going on in the community because they're all very highly educated, you know, mm-hmm. business school people or journalism school people. And Philadelphia is kind of a blue collar market, yeah. pretty downscale in some places, pretty mm-hmm. upscale in other places. Mm-hmm. But uh, we did two things. We, we, we asked them a series of questions from the census at the time. I can't remember yeah. what year it was, but there, um, we asked them all these census. Estimate what the city of Philadelphia looks like, and they were so far off. They were shocked when we showed them the results. Yeah. They, they were completely wrong on virtually every scale. Wow. And that got them to think and to understand and to realize that the consumer is very different than what you might believe. Mm-hmm. The other thing we did at Sony, we started an unconscious bias program, which everyone has, obviously. Yes. And, you know, when you're thinking about consumers, you have a bias about what you think of the consumer to what you think or believe. Mm-hmm. So that's another another process that we've had ongoing. We did that with uh, about 300 people, the top, top managers, the top 300 managers, and now we're rolling it out into lower groups as well uh, to get people to think differently about who the consumer is and what the consumer wants and how they live. And, you know, we have a particular uh, issue in the entertainment business where if you don't live in New York or L.A., they have no idea what goes on in Arkansas, for yeah, instance, yeah, or in Kansas yeah, yeah. City or in other parts of the we're world. We're that flyover state. Yeah, exactly. So uh, so we're trying to ingrain that a little bit. You know, We have two shows that are the staple of those flyover states, Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy are, yeah. are our shows. They do really well in the middle of the country. Yeah. They do okay on the coast, but they do really well in the middle of the country. Yeah. And we have to keep driving that and that uh, knowledge into the people that are making decisions for yeah. our shows and for our movies. That is, that's, so, that's interesting. Yeah. So here we are with uh, the Sony <clears throat> Pictures Entertainment. Uh, we talk about high standards and top talent, mm-hmm. transparency, openness, and inclusiveness, collaboration, integration, mm-hmm. consumer. And uh, while we generally ask our leaders for five, you actually have six with mm-hmm. SPE. And the last one, though, is one that I just love, and that's the thinking big. I think my strength is that I think big. At Georgia Tech, uh, University of Georgia, of course, was big rival. We didn't care anything about University of Georgia. But Louis Grizzard was a graduate of the University of Georgia, and he wrote a column for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. He mm-hmm. was a humorist. He had a TV show and stuff for a period of time. He wrote a lot of really funny books, but... The one my favorite was titled, Shoot Low Boys, They're Riding Shetland Ponies. (laughs) 
And I think that too often we wind up shooting low. Mm -hmm. And the thinking big means that if you think really big, there are going to be some failures along the way. So how can you incent people to think big when they're going to be dealing with failures? How do you handle that? That is that is last for a reason because we had to do a lot of stuff before we got to that. We had to yeah. restructure the business, get it back on a solid platform. You know, uh, you know, we did a spans and layers exercise mm. where mm. we radically changed the way the organization is structured. We had a we had a diamond shape, and we now have a kind of a pyramid. Yeah, um, we haven't gotten to that yet. Yeah, and I'm struggling with how to get to that yeah. actually because. The way the world is changing in our business, where, you know, once all these mergers and acquisitions happen, AT&T and Time Warner yeah. and uh, Fox and Disney and Universal and Comcast, they're all together. Mm. We're a little tiny guy yeah. standing on the side here yeah. and all these giants are parading around us. Mm. I, I'm still struggling with the think big. I'm thinking, I'm personally thinking about that. I have not gotten the company to think that way yet and I haven't yeah. tried to get them to think that yeah. way yet. Yeah. But I'd Let's love see. to hear what you how you think we should be doing that. Well, in fact, uh, your your business is so different. Um, mm. I, I tended to set lofty goals. My philosophy is I'd rather achieve seventy five percent of a lofty goal than one hundred and ten percent of a small yeah, goal. Yeah, yeah. And to just get people to stretch mm-hmm. beyond. I know when I I became the Dean at Georgia Tech uh, for engineering, I, I made several points to the faculty. One was that I don't want to hear anymore that we're the best engineering program in the South. Mm-hmm. I won't like it as long as we can go to the bookstore here on our campus and buy a t-shirt that says we're the, the MIT of the South. Mm-hmm. And I will be happy when I go to MIT and they say they're the Georgia, Georgia Tech, Tech of the North. North yeah. you know, <laughs> but to get people to really begin to think beyond yeah. where they are now. And when I came back to be the chancellor at Arkansas then, I, I set it out. I put out a, you know, goals for the 2010 goals when I came in 97, set them out in 98. And uh, people laughed. They said, there's no way. Mm-hmm. But if you are persistent and steady wins the race, I believe, and you just stay the course and you keep doing it, you can make real progress. And so once people began to see that the battleship was turning, mm-hmm. then, boy, we really picked up momentum yeah. then. Yeah. So that's the thing is to figure out what are the goals that you can establish that people can identify with. And even when they're lofty goals, once they begin to see you're making progress, then yeah. it just really picks up speed. Yeah. You're in a very different business. Well, but you can see an analogy to that, though. We, we, are, we do have a very clear strategy we're about to follow. In fact, mm-hmm. April 30th, we're going to lay it out to the whole company. Uh-huh. Um, it, it's not really thinking big but it is a pathway to think big yeah that's the that's next step. the way yeah thank you so much for sharing time with this us is great. And, thank and you all I, i'm just glad that we had a chance to get together Me i too. missed you i think about you actually often and not as just when the world series is going yeah. on <laughs> and we were talking when fox had that and you were really concerned about who the teams were going to be in the right. world series exactly. and what would the viewership be and all of that if you don't if you don't have the cubs or the red sox or the st louis cardinals you're in trouble yeah, yeah. there you go thank you very much tony thank you jim thank you for joining leadership web today We hope that you found insight and guidance on leadership tools from this interview. 
Please join Leadership Web in two weeks as we explore another leader's leadership journey. Also, follow us on Instagram or LinkedIn by searching Leadership Web.